fit together in so many ways. We pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and lives now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we're going to begin a new uh, series this morning, which you can uh, see uh, from the slide is being called uh, Being on Mission. And, and we're going to start this morning with just a little bit of audience participation. I'm going to ask uh, three questions and then uh, have you raise your hands after each one if that statement or that question would be uh, true about you. Uh, and so uh, when I tell you to raise your hand, you can go ahead. Number one, have you ever felt guilty or maybe uh, it would be better to say Have you ever been guilted, uh, which I know is not really a real word, but it feels that way sometimes, uh, about your lack of involvement in evangelism and missions, maybe from a pastor's sermon or uh, from a missionary presentation? Have you ever felt guilty about that? Raise your hand if you have. Okay. Uh, Question number two. When you think of missions, do you primarily picture something way over there in a foreign country? That's missions. Uh, number three, uh, does the idea of you being involved in missions scare you half to death? Okay, quite a few hands there. Uh, if so, there's a song that came out in the 80s that you might identify with. It was by a guy named Scott Wesley Brown, and we're going to use that uh, song as an introduction to this whole series as well as today's message. So. You can see it on the screens in front of you. You guys ever heard missionaries come to a church and share their testimony and show their slideshow? Well, the missionaries used to come through our church often, and they would show those slides, and the slides are always of peoples out there in the wilds of the bush and the depths of the jungle. And I would watch the slideshows, and the last thing I wanted to see happen in my life was for God to convict me, because I was quite comfortable where I was. But God would always get around to convicting my heart. And I would get so scared that if I just opened up, God was going to send me to the wildest place on the planet. I actually wrote a song one time called, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Because I was afraid that if I opened up, that's where God would send me. He would send me to one of those uttermost places that the Bible talks about. And you know, sometimes fear is what keeps us away from doing what God is calling us to do as his people. It might be fear of eating strange food. It might be fear of big, giant bugs. Maybe bugs so big that they have lips. Think about it. Some of the countries I've been to, they've got those kinds of bugs. But you know, there are a lot of fears that we go through. But the one thing is, is when we submit ourselves to God, we go out there and we see God touch hearts and change lives, and we see God glorified among the nations, it's amazing how all those fears just vanish away. And we're caught up in the glory of God. We're caught up in seeing people's lives transformed. It's exciting to be a part of missions. Get out there and be a part of what God's doing. Say, Lord, please send me to Africa. Please send me to Asia. Please send me to China or South America, wherever. The gospel needs to be heard. God bless you. You know, I also attended Holy Land USA in Del Rio, Texas, home of the drive-in baptismal car wash and discount house of worship. Say hallelujah. Brother, that reminds me of a story. I'll never forget the movie Jungle Book. Say hallelujah. You remember it, don't you? Dr. Livingstone, say hallelujah. Beautiful man, pillar of the community. Well, you know, quite frankly, he went into the wilds of the jungle and never came back. Back, back. Oh Lord, 
You don't uh, really have to raise your hand this time, but has anybody ever felt like the guy in the video there? <laughs> if you have, there's a good bet that the reason for that is either uh, a misperception about what it means to be a missionary or a fear about talking to other people about Jesus or spiritual issues or of God sending you to some place where you really don't want to go. Those are the things brought out by those three questions. It's my hope that uh, today and in this series, we can remove some of the obstacles, the guilt, and the fear that we have about this. And, and maybe one of the first big misperceptions is this idea of what it means to be a missionary and who is a missionary. I mean, I was raised in a church where we had an annual missions conference or special meetings every year. And generally that meant that one of the missionaries that our church uh, supported was back in the United States on what they called furlough. And, and the missionaries then would travel around to the different churches that financially supported them and give uh, a report about their work. But it was more than just that report. It was an entire week of meetings, usually uh, Sunday to Sunday. And every single night during the week, this missionary would give some uh, message uh, somehow related to and pointed towards uh, missions, uh, often accompanied by these slideshows uh, giving real-life uh, examples and pictures of what he is talking about. And I, I'm, I'm sure uh, that this was not intended by any of the missionaries, but frequently 
I would feel guilty after those messages. Or at least once I got older, uh, I started uh, feeling uh, guilty as a kid. I just like looking at all the cool pictures of these places that this this missionary people had, had been. I mean, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to go to those types of places? Uh, there was jungles and rainforests and huge rivers with strange-looking animals and palm trees and or, or maybe some with these crowded cities with all these street vendor-type things and huge skyscrapers, stuff I'd never seen growing up here in South Dakota. And, and I, I loved looking at those pictures. Uh, but I don't recall... Uh, listening to anything the missionaries actually said. Well, actually, that's not quite true either. I mean, I, I did have to listen to the missionaries as well because my parents would always ask us kids questions in the car on the way home, and if I couldn't answer any of the questions, um, unhappiness was certain to follow. So, so I mean, uh, you did pay attention some, and that's your free parenting uh, tip for today. Uh, you know, you, you want to get the most out of church or Sunday school and this stuff, ask your kids about it and ask them what they heard, ask them what they learned and don't settle for those, you know, generic non-answers. Press them for information and what it means and that kind of stuff. Of course, that means as a parent or a grandparent, you have to know your Bible well enough to be able to interrogate the kids that way. Uh, and so it's a good thing uh, all the way around. Okay, anyway, back, back to the point. I, I did have to pay attention to a certain degree because I knew my parents would be asking. What I don't remember is ever grasping the thought that maybe these missionaries might be talking to me. I mean, I was able to regurgitate some of the facts of what they presented, but I didn't capture any of that personal application until I started getting older, maybe senior highish age, and that's when I started feeling guilty. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be thinking thoughts like, well, maybe I'm a bad Christian because I don't really want to be a missionary. I don't want to do missionary work. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing those cool places they'd been, but that was about it. And beyond that, I, I wasn't financially supporting those who were going and doing the work. I mean, I had a job, and yes, my... My parents had taught me about tithing, and I gave to the church, and I knew the church used some of that money for missions too, but, but I didn't give personally any extra money or specific money designated for a missionary. And so after those meetings, I, I always felt guilty about that. And maybe you've had a similar experience. I call it the, the uh, do more, try harder guilt complex. Uh, and I wasn't doing more or trying harder. And a lot of this, again, comes from a misconception of what it means to be a missionary. I felt guilty because I was not one of them or doing something for them. Them, of course, being the people called to missions and going. And then as I got even older, college age and beyond, after missionaries uh, spoke, I felt really guilty about not going. Was I supposed to go somewhere? Because they made it sound like everybody was supposed to go. Was I supposed to go somewhere? How do I know if I'm quote-unquote, called to be a missionary? How do I uh, know where I should be sent, uh, if I should be sent somewhere in the world, and where that would be? And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the only one here that's ever struggled with those kinds of thoughts or, uh, or feelings, but I, I'm guessing probably not. And I, I'm thinking my consternation, uh, a lot of that came from really not understanding who is a missionary, 
and what it means to be on mission. What does that look like in real life? And if I had known my Bible and understood that a little better, I could have avoided a lot of unnecessary guilt. Uh, for instance, was I called, called to be a missionary? And the answer is really simple. Yes. And so are you. Look again at our verse for today. Jesus told his disciples, and by extension, of course, that means uh, all of his followers down through the ages because all of his followers are called disciples. Uh, uh, and so that would obviously include me and you if you put your faith in, in, in Jesus Christ, giving your life to him. Here's what he said. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. The setting for this verse was just after the crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, the disciples are locked away in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. They are hiding for fear of the Jews, prob probably harboring thoughts along the lines of, man, they, they just killed our leader. Are they going to be coming in here, arresting us and, and killing us as well? And right in the midst of all that fear and gloom and doom, Jesus suddenly appears in the room. Think about that. That would freak you out, would it not? You're in this locked room and all of a sudden there he is. And, and that would probably explain why his very first words were, peace be with you. And then it says that he went and showed them the, the, the scars, the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and, and, and proving that it was him. And after that, their freaking out turned to rejoicing and joy. They were just so excited and that, is when Jesus lays on them this command, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, you know, if you combine Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three books, you'll find 10 times in there when Jesus was said that he was sent by the Father. But in the Gospel of John, you find it 42 times. The, the idea of Jesus being sent, that's just one of the major themes that runs throughout that entire book. And, and frequently you'll, in that book, you'll just come across the, the phrase, him who sent me. But occasionally, Jesus clearly identifies that it is God the Father who is doing the sending, such as in John eight forty two, where he, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come of my own initiative, but he sent me. And now Jesus is telling us, as the Father sent him, we are being sent in that same way. Meaning, it's not our initiative, but his directive. I am sending you. And we can learn some other things about what it means to be sent the way Jesus was sent. For instance, in John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Being sent is not about doing your own thing. It's about doing what the sender desires. How many of you in here are familiar with the family circus cartoon? 
you've seen that family circus, that's that little single panel cartoon uh, of the mom and dad and four young kids, eight and below, and, and the comedy that can ensue with that type of family dynamics going on. And one of the frequent gags that the author uses is with the oldest son, Billy, and one of the parents tells Billy to go do something, and then you see this dotted line going all over, showing everywhere he goes and all the things he does instead of what the parent told him to do or until he finally gets around to accomplishing whatever task was assigned. And, and sometimes between all the meandering, it's too late. He can't do the job anymore or he gets completely distracted and, and gets off doing something else and forgets what, what uh, he was called to do. And I sometimes wonder if God isn't looking down from heaven and seeing us with this dotted line going all over the place when he says, hey, I sent you on a task. Another sent verse is John seven sixteen. So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. So to be faithful in our sending we must teach what God has prescribed. I mean, we could go on and look at the other 39 instances of being sent here in John, and we're probably going to look at a few as we go through this, uh, this whole series. But right now, I just want to highlight one other one for this morning. It's what Jesus said in John 9, 4. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So here's the reality. We are sent. And we only have a limited amount of time left in order to do what God has called us to do. When I worked at Black Hills Packing Plant, it was the first job that I ever had where there was an actual time clock used for checking in and out of work. I mean, every employee had this slotted card uh, kept in a rack on the wall, and when your shift was about to begin, you would go grab your card, insert it into the clock, and it would stamp uh, the time that you're checking in there. And then at the end of the day when you're done, you would take the same card, stamp it again, and, and it would show your time on the clock. And in between that time of punching in and punching out, your time did not belong to you anymore. You were now on the boss's schedule. You were expected to work, to accomplish whatever uh, uh, he had assigned you, whatever duties or tasks he had given you. And so what's the point? Well, as Christians, we're on the clock. You have punched in. You are on duty. And so now, maybe you're saying, oh, great. Now I feel guiltier than I've ever felt before. I thought you said that this message was going to be about overcoming and removing those barriers of guilt and fear and stuff and, and this whole idea of being on mission, and you've just heaped piles more of it on top of me. Well, I want you to hold on for just a minute. I, I started this way because I think the very first most important thing we, we all have to understand is that each and every one of us is in fact called to be on mission. It is not those other guys, the ones who are led to 
go way over there overseas or some foreign country. It's not the professional Christians, you know, pastors and youth pastors and other Christian workers. It's all of us. Jesus is sending you. But then that means we have to answer some very important questions. What does that look like? How does that work in real life? Does that mean you have to add a bunch of new and extra activities into your already busy schedule in life? Or, or worse, does that mean that all of us should sell our houses and pack up and head to the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa? What does it practically mean to say that we're all on mission? And what exactly is the mission? Well, those are the questions that we'll start answering next Sunday. So I encourage you to continue to come. I encourage you to sign up for one of the BLTs because they also will help to be answering these questions. But this morning, just one main point. You are sent by Jesus in the same way that the Father sent him. Let's pray. Father God, I know we're just getting started in, in this series, in this study. And it can seem like or feel like a guilt-inducing thought, but it's not meant to be that way. It is meant to be an auxiliary idea that we are sent by Jesus. So, Father, help us to grasp hold of that truth and to begin looking and studying and thinking about what that means in our lives and what that would look like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.